everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. I'm Chris Weigel, Dr. Linda's co-host, and this weekend we have a special program. As you're well aware, the coronavirus was just this past week categorized as a pandemic. The news coverage of this virus is inescapable, and we're seeing people around the world and now in the U.S. on TV news programs walking around with face masks. Stock market volatility is concerning, and public events and gatherings are being canceled, and colleges and school systems are threatening to close if they haven't already. This can be a lot to take in, and yes, we need to be vigilant and concerned about our health, especially during a pandemic, but we also need to stop and take a deep breath and remember who it is who said, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. That phrase, fear not, is printed 365 times in your Bible. God has not called us to be people of fear, but of faith. Today on the Dr. Linda Mental Show, we're taking you back to June of 2018 for a re-airing of the program titled, Fear to Faith. As you listen today, be reminded of Isaiah 41. God says, I am your God. I will strengthen and help you. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the Relationship Doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, Chris Weigel. And every weekend, Chris, we're here, we're doing life together. And as always, we're so glad everyone's joined us. That's right, Dr. Linda. And you hit on something there when you said every weekend. Every weekend. We have been working and working and working. It is time to go on a vacation. Okay, well, you got an idea where you're going? I think we do. We've got a couple places in mind here. Okay. And, here, and I was afraid... Of, that we wouldn't be able to go. You were afraid we wouldn't be able to go? Right. Turns out everything worked out great. Oh. No reason to fear. Okay. Everything's great. Everything's good. So fear is one of those things that you're thinking about in terms of vacation time. It crossed my mind, yeah. It crossed your it mind. Did. All right. right. I think there's a lot of things you can be afraid of in life. I don't know if vacation is one of them I've ever thought of, but you know, you're <laughs> well, unique, Chris. That's what we worry. like about you on the show. A little bit of a worry word. <laughs> the thing is about fear, you did a TV show recently where you talked about fear. Why is that a topic? There's so many things that we can be afraid of in life, and especially we're going to relate this to our relationships because we have that kind of show. And one of the things we want to help people do is move from a fear position to a faith position. That's right, Dr. Linda. And if you think about it, there are a lot of reasons to be fearful these days, and it's easy to give in to fear if we aren't careful. As a matter of fact, a Gallup poll recently listed these common fears among teenagers. Check this out. Terrorism. Mm-hmm. That's understandable. That's not surprising. Right. Yeah. Spiders. <laughs> uh, death, of course. Uh, failure. Fear of heights. That's a lot of us. Uh, crime and violence. Being alone. Uh, the future. And then nuclear war. Some of those I would expect. But I'm, right. I was a little surprised by fear of failure, although I shouldn't be because we've actually done shows on that, haven't right. we, about how easy it is for this generation to get afraid of failing. And they're always in front of an audience on social media. That's true. So they can't mess up. That would be a failure. Which relates to being alone. So that's the one that really surprised me because everybody seems so connected these days. So especially teenagers, that's really an interesting one. So I don't know if those are all unique to teens. No. It seems like if we look at that list, especially with terrorism and, mm-hmm. and all the things that we've been dealing with in our culture, whatever fears we have, we just have to be intentional these days on not allowing fear to really grip us right. and interfere with our daily lives. Is there anything other than vacation? <laughs> Afraid <laughs> Which of not... probably didn't make the list you right. noticed. <laughs> yeah. In addition to not going on vacation, I don't like not having answers. 
that brings me a lot of anxiety and really? probably a control thing. So uncertainty, right? Yeah, kind of an uncertainty thing. Mm-hmm. So I have moments when just anything happens out of control. So you mentioned out of control. Yeah. But when there's a shooting, there was one in Nashville. The first thing I thought of, I have a daughter who lives there, so I called her right away to make sure that she was okay. And I think a lot of us, when we hear things on the news, we can get really afraid quickly if we're not careful. Or what about when you hear something in the house? You think someone's sneaking in? Oh, Chris, I remember one time I was babysitting. I must have been like 14 years old. (laughs) And I was babysitting for my aunt and uncle and their their kids who were just probably, actually, I think about this, they're probably three years younger than I was (laughs) when you babysit. You you know, they're not really that young when you think about it. Uh It was one of those kind of windy nights and it was kind of stormy. And all of a sudden I was watching TV and all of a sudden the front door just flew open. Mm. And I was paralyzed. I was so scared. I couldn't get up. I didn't know what to do. I thought for sure somebody was breaking into the house, and it was horrible. So they came down with a bag of popcorn. They're like, there was nobody. uh, Aunt Linda, (laughs) the door's open. Yeah, the kids never woke up, but I was just so scared. And I remember thinking, like, I'm the semi adult in this house, and I have to do something about that. It was very, very scary. Well, when I feel fear, I'm not thinking about my choices, and I think that's part of the issue. If we wait 90 seconds, maybe it'll help us uh, think more clearly. Yeah, so there is a biochemical reaction with fear that lasts about 90 seconds, like Mm. you say. So a lot of people have heard the statement, freeze, and then you fight or flight. Right. So initially there's a little bit of freeze, and then you either stay in it and you fight or you get away from the person. Mm -hmm. But you have to identify what you are so afraid of if you're going to really deal with fear in a constructive way. Right. Well, speaking of real danger, fear can be useful because it's it's a warning system, like you said. Uh, It's a natural reaction to danger. Yeah. So in the middle of the night, when the door blows open, you Mm -hmm. might think that there could be something dangerous about that. It does kind of act like an alarm, right, Right. for all of us. And that's why it's a good thing to have that kind of fear reaction. The problem is when it takes hold of our lives and it turns into worry and anxiety, it's not any longer about real danger in front of us. It's really about all that what if that we're thinking about in the future rather than just what's going on right now. So, for example, you can live in fear thinking that you're going to get hit by a car Mm -hmm. or you're going to be struck by lightning or maybe you're going to lose your money in the stock market. But here's the thing. God doesn't want us, Chris, to be held hostage by fear. This is why he told us that he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. He doesn't want us held hostage by the possibility of danger. We just can't live like that or we're not going to have any joy or any peace. So when fear happens, when it hits, is there anything we can physically do uh, to calm it down or stop it? That's really the key because you do have to do something physical because your body is tensing up in that fear reaction. Mm -hmm. So the best thing you can do is use some type of relaxation technique. Maybe you can do some deep breathing. Maybe if your mind is really afraid, you can go and meditate on the Word of God. Or you can do something very physical like tense your muscle, then relax your muscle. That's something called progressive muscle relaxation Mm -hmm. or any kind of calming method that you might know to help relax your body. This is important because you want to stop that automatic response of becoming tense and anxious when fear hits. And you can literally train your body to relax in order to turn off that fear response and that anxiety response. You can't feel 
fear when you're practicing relaxation. Hmm. Have you tried that before? I have. I, I had to do this. I had some really bad experiences when I was a kid with a dentist. <laughs> and one time he hit my nerve and he, mm. he froze part of my face. It was really scary as wow. a kid. And plus, going to the dentist when you're getting shots in your mouth, that is not a pleasant experience. Right. So I was terrified of going to the dentist. And I set up all these safety measures. When I went as an adult, I had to have like a fish tank in front of me yeah. so I could look at that. I had to have headphones on. I had the gas so that I could just kind of relax. And I just couldn't do it on mm. my own. But I actually did these relaxation techniques that we're talking about. And I practiced. And I practiced, Chris, where I would go, relax. I would say that cue to my body. Mm -hmm. And then I would just relax all my muscles. And I got to the point where when I would go into the dentist chair, I could say that word and I could relax my body. And it really did work. What happens when you know in your mind you should relax, but you uh, just can't get your body to do that? Do you just simply say, okay, don't be afraid? You see, you can't try to push those fearful feelings away because when you try to do that, it just comes back even more. So when you are dealing with a fearful thought, the best thing is to say, okay, I feel really anxious right now, Mm -hmm. but it's going to be okay because I can take it. And then what you have to do is you have to learn to tolerate that negative feeling. But the more you face it, the better it gets. So don't run from fear when those anxious thoughts come into your mind. Don't try to push them away. Instead, allow them to come, tolerate that, and then correct your thinking with something that's a little more rational like, yes, I'm afraid, but God is with me and he will get me through this and I can deal with it. I can do it. And if you say to yourself, I can do this, it might be hard, Mm -hmm. it might be difficult, you correct that thought into something more reasonable, you're going to find out that you're going to tolerate that anxiety, and you're actually going to decrease the fear. Okay, Dr. Linda, before we go to the break, let's try this. Let's say I'm afraid of criticism. I get tense and defensive. What do I do? Criticism is a tough one um, because it's usually based on other experiences that you're having. So again, try relaxing your body. Mm -hmm. Try to get your mind into something that is much more, you know, that criticism isn't going to kill me. It might not like it, but I can tolerate it. I can deal with it. Or if you don't think there's anything that you should have been criticized about, you should Mm -hmm. say to yourself, hey, there's nothing here to criticize. And even if there is... I can handle it. I can move on. I can take that thought, confine it, and not allow it to defeat me. So whatever happens, the message is, God is with me, and I can do it. That's good stuff here on the Dr. Linda Mendel Show, and we are just getting started. Stay with us as we learn to move from fear to faith. More to come on the Dr. Linda Mendel Show. The other day I was cut off the road by a driver. Everything in me wanted to yell, hey, watch out. But I restrained myself knowing that yelling at the driver would not do much good. And really, it wasn't the best way to deal with my anger. You know, anger easily rises up in most of us. And while anger is a natural emotion, we need to deal with it the right way. So it's not wrong to be angry, but how you deal with your anger is what counts. The Bible tells us, be angry, but do not sin. So what is the biblical way to handle anger? This is a question I answer in my short and easy book to read, Breaking Free from Anger and Unforgiveness. This small book has sold over 130,000 copies. It's because of how practical and helpful it is to everyday living. So if you want to be angry, but not sin, practice what scripture teaches us. Breaking Free from Anger and Unforgiveness is available on my website, drlindamintel.com. That's drlindamintel.com and also available online where books are sold. 
This is the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and it's a re-airing of a broadcast from June of 2018. The title of the program is Fear to Faith. Dr. Linda, since we do talk a lot about relationships here on this program, as we move from fear to faith, what about the fear of intimacy? I'm glad you asked about that because I think that is something that a lot of people don't talk about. And most of us, you know, want to have love in our lives, right? And yet a lot of times we've had bad experiences. Mm -hmm. Maybe we had uh, a bad experience when we were younger, maybe with a friend, a friendship that you tried to get into a deep friendship with. So intimacy doesn't always have to be a couple's thing. It could be being into a relationship with a friend. Um, If you've been victimized as a child, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be somebody who's going to easily want to get intimate in a relationship. So what happens is when people have bad experiences, they do develop this fear of intimacy that you mentioned. And it doesn't seem all of that uncommon because we are all in relationships and we do get hurt. What should you do if this is a fear that you struggle with? So the first thing is to think about your history like we just talked about. If you feel like you've been, you know, having problems with your current relationships because your history is kind of getting in the way, you might want to think, is there a pattern here? Is there something from my childhood? Am I doing the same things I did with my mom or dad or my siblings or a a best friend? And if you can identify that, and sometimes that takes a little bit of work. Sometimes You might have to work with a therapist if it's really serious. But sometimes we can think and we can go, okay, when I do that, the person does this. This is the thing that's blocking me from having that intimacy with somebody. So ask yourself things like, were you rejected by a parent or a caretaker? Were you put down in your family? Did you observe destructive interactions between your parents? Maybe did you notice negative dynamics in their relationship that are now kind of setting in on yours? Those kinds of questions, Chris, start Mm. to ask yourself and see if you can identify a pattern. So you're saying that what we see and experience as children influences our adult relationships when it comes to fear of intimacy. Yeah, it does. And so the attitudes and behaviors we witness and experience are often unconsciously in there, and they shape the ways that we think and we act when we're adults. But we can change this if we're aware of it. And I think Mm -hmm. we say that a lot in the show, don't we? If you get intentional, if you get aware of the problem, you can make a change. Usually the fear of intimacy is rooted in either being abandoned, people being afraid they're going to be abandoned, or even being engulfed by somebody. So have you ever heard somebody say, I can't get in that relationship because I'm afraid I'm going to lose myself? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, so that's that engulfment that people worry about. So in order to know if this is you, listen to the self-talk. What are you saying to yourself? Are you constantly criticizing yourself? Are you feeling unloved or not good enough for someone else? Are you worried? Maybe you're worried that you won't be good enough in a relationship. So that kind of self-talk stems from this worry about being rejected or taken over by somebody or maybe even opening up and taking a chance with another person. Sometimes when people start to feel love, they get scared that they're going to get hurt again and they back away. But you have to take that chance because, I mean, otherwise you won't find love if you're always afraid of it. That's right. So you do have to take a chance. But for some of our listeners, it may be really difficult. And one of the things I would really encourage you is try to experience God's love first, maybe in a new way, to really feel the love that God has for you and to get your mind wrapped around those scriptures that said, God loves you. He'll never leave you. He'll Mm. never abandon you. And sometimes when we really know that we're loved by God, that is the corrective experience that helps us reach out and be vulnerable to other people. Is it a good idea to name your fear 
because I've named my fear Franklin. And um, <laughs> after doing that, is it good to talk about it as well? Well, in an intimate relationship, <laughs> which is what we're talking about, right. it, it is a good idea. Actually, you can think maybe naming it, am I having a fear of falling apart, of fear of rejection, like we've mentioned, mm-hmm. a fear of not being understood. I think a lot right. of people have that fear. Oh, yeah. That, you know, the person isn't going to understand me. Maybe a fear of being judged, being alone. You mentioned that with teenagers. Mm. The fear of loss, the fear of change, fear of aging. So a lot of people in my age range are thinking, as I'm getting older, people aren't going to want to be around me anymore. I'm not good for anything. Fear of being overwhelmed. Fear of your needs being ignored, fear of boredom, fear of lack of control, fear of failure, fear of helplessness. I mean, you can just go on and on and name one of those. But if you don't name it and talk about it, you'll probably act it out. That's what people do if they don't really get aware of it. They're just acting out that fear. Hmm. And then your partner doesn't know what's going on. And they're thinking you're being weird. And you're not really (laughs) talking about what's going on with you if you don't talk about what that fear is that you have of really getting intimate with somebody. And what happens, Chris, is then you tend to push people away. And then people reject you as a result of that. Right. It's it's circular at that point. Yeah. It's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. As an example, if someone fears rejection, how could they act that out? You might not want to talk about it, but every time your spouse or your friend comes near you, you just push them away. Mm. You test them to see if they're going to still be with you. So it's an easy thing to do when you're afraid that maybe the person won't want to be with you. I see. I would worry that if Sharon, my wife, told me her fears, that I might be the problem. I'm the reason she's afraid. And I feel like I'm not going to be able to fix that. Yeah. And that's really a concern that a lot of um, men have in a relationship. Mm. And that might be a reason why people don't talk about their fears. Right. Because they don't want to know, am I the problem or am I going to be able to fix it for this person? But your job in a relationship is to listen and to reassure because fear does creep in once in a while, even in the healthiest of relationships. And it's just better to talk about it and just put it to rest. Mm. Like most problems, if you hide them, they're going to get worse. Right. So the real issue behind a lot of relationship fear is being vulnerable. If someone really sees you for who you are, the fear is that they won't love you. But intimacy always involves uncertainty and vulnerability. And rarely that fear comes true. It doesn't usually come true. You know, for most of us, it might be easier just to uh, avoid altogether. Yeah, I think avoidance gives fear life. Mm. That's the problem. It keeps fear going and growing. So the more you're afraid of just being hurt, rejected, or not measuring up, the more you avoid real problems and the deeper the fear grows. So again, I'm going to say it again. Fear needs to be faced, to be overcome. We work through it. We don't avoid it. And it's the exposure to the feared thing, seeing that thing and seeing that nothing terrible really does happen. That's what boosts our confidence to face fears. You know, I don't think we recognize how much fear runs our problems. I'm thinking of Franklin D. Roosevelt at his first inaugural address in 1933. In the middle of the Great Depression, he said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself, nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. That's a really famous quote. It's an amazing quote. Yes. It is a re- and it was in the middle of all that horror stuff that was going on. So, you know, not only did Roosevelt say that, but the Bible talks about mm. fear over 200 times. Wow. And fear is found 53 times in the Psalms. Did you know that? 53. I didn't know that. But mm. I, when you think about the Psalms, you think about a lot of the phrases of don't fear, fear not. Right. So if you fear and it isn't controlled, 
it's going to ruin your peace and joy. I think that's one of the reasons why they mentioned it so many right. times in the psalm. Well, Dr. Linda, we are about to take our second break. But before we do, you have a story of someone, we'll call her Jenna. She doesn't let fear get in her way. And she uses a psalm to help her deal with it. So she was offered a job and she prayed and she felt a peace about taking it. And during her first few months, she began to notice that there was a lot of organizational dysfunction in that job, Mm. including a boss who wasn't very kind to her. So what happened to her is that fear just gripped her and she started thinking, hmm, did I make a mistake? Should I have taken this job? She knew the position was good for her, that it was good for her career path, but she was full of self-doubt and fear. And there were a number of obstacles that she had to overcome in that job. So then what did she do to, uh, to overcome it? So she employed Psalm 34, and she believed that God would deliver her from all her fears. She needed a job, and she knew God had opened the door, and her mm-hmm. lens for viewing the job was one of trusting God's faithfulness and not giving in to that fear. Well, Dr. Linda, let's go back to that scripture that we talked about earlier, 2 Timothy 1.7. In the NIV, it says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So that scripture, it's a great scripture. It's a reminder to all of us that no matter what age we are, that we don't have to be feeling like a coward. We don't have to dread danger. We don't have to shrink from doing whatever it is that God has called us to do, or if somebody gets upset with us. That's not from the Spirit of God when we shrink away and we act in fear. We have the power, that Scripture says, of a sound mind, which really means self-control in this Mm. verse. So we have the power to regulate, to overcome our fear and not let it rule us. With that power of the Holy Spirit in us, we can win the fear battle, Chris. So Christ makes us fearless. Isn't that a great? That's another bumper sticker. We need to do like a bumper sticker business from we our should, show. should, you're right. Christ makes us fearless. That would be a great sticker. He doesn't want us to be held hostage by the possibility of danger. We can't live in fear or we won't have joy or peace. So would you say that we need to fear God before we can control our fear? That's a good question because Psalm 19.9 says, The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. Now, hmm. a lot of people, that means you have to be afraid of God. Right. And that he's going to like come down on you and do something terrible to you. But it really means it's talking about having a reverence and awe of who God is, that he has power over everything and is sovereign over all things. It's a different type of fear. As we talk about fear, it's it's a respect type thing. Yes, it is. Well, we mentioned the number of times the Psalms talk about fear, and, and you wrote a blog on Psalm 46 because it's a prescription for not allowing fear to rule our hearts. Let's go back to that Psalm, Psalm 46. So the first part of the Psalm is, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So what does the first part of that tell us? know who God is. Hmm. He is very present. He's there. He's with us in the time of trouble. God is the creator of all things, all powerful. Nothing is away from his watchful eye. When fear strikes, though, we do tend to forget that God is present, and it often feels like he's not. I know it does. And I do think that's one of the things in the natural that happens to us. We forget that he's with us. We Hmm. have to remind ourselves where God is. He's in the middle of the trouble. The waters are roaring, the mountain is shaking, but God's in the middle of all of that. He's not absent in times of trouble. He's present. He hasn't left you alone to deal with life on your own terms. I know sometimes I get caught up in uh, the circumstances around me, things going on, and uh, I forget that God is there. I'm a lot like Peter. There he was on the water. Jesus had him walking on top of the water, but when he looked away, he began to sink. And uh, I feel like that sometimes. So the message is to get our eyes off of the circumstances. Now, again, 
it's easy to do, right? It's easy to look at the mm, things that are, yeah. are kind of scary around you. But he's saying, don't be moved by all that trouble that you see around you. Instead, keep your eyes fixed on me. And so what happens is circumstances really can create that fear. But God has control, and he's going to walk us through those circumstances. So stay fixed on him. Keep your eyes on him. It's a really good thing to remember that story. And I think it helps when other people remind us that God is present because, like I said, it doesn't always feel that way. It doesn't. But again, if we look at scripture, it says he breaks the bow, he cuts the spear, he burns the chariots of fire. In other words, he's going to work it all for our good if we love and we trust him. Unfortunately, though, when I look at that, Chris, it doesn't say that we're never going to have pain, we're never going to have suffering, we're never going to have difficulty. We do live in a fallen world with a lot of problems. So we're still going to have to face things that on the natural look a little fearful. Hmm. Psalm 46 goes on to say, be still wait and listen. I know from firsthand experience that is hard to do. I know. I hear you. It's hard for me to be still and Mm. wait as well. I want to take over and I just want to make things happen, right? Right. (laughs) But when I do that, it doesn't usually work out too well. So (laughs) waiting on the Lord's timing is often difficult for most of us, but it does involve trust. And if we trust somebody, we can wait on them. Mm, That's true. Uh, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Wow. Again, God is telling us to know that he is God. Know it. Just know it. We used to have a pastor who'd say, know it and you're knower. <laughs> watch how he moves and watch how he works things out and be amazed at what he does. Uh, when we think back at times when we were really afraid and God came through for us, I think mm-hmm. that really helps us. He's going to triumph over all things. That's the promise in his word. And one of the things that you can do in the middle of the time when you're really afraid is just worship him, even before you know the ending of the story, because praise takes care of that heaviness that it, it talks about in, in the psalm. He's in control and he orders your steps. It's quite a flurry of scriptures. I know. There's yeah. so much good stuff in the psalm that that's where I start to read. That's one of the reasons people say, read a psalm every day. And if anyone still is not convinced, Psalm 27 is another powerful psalm to read to help overcome fear. It is. So in Psalm 27, the soldiers were after David to kill him. They were probably offering all kinds of rewards and promotions to anyone who could get that head of David on a platter. And yet David responds to this. And here's what he says. My heart will not fear. The war arises against me. In spite of this, I am confident. So David put his confidence in the Lord. He affirms his faith in God. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Say to yourself, get me out of this picture. Insert God. So if fear returns, then what? Seek the Lord by redirecting your focus to the Lord in heartful prayer. David prayed, be gracious to me and answer me. But David didn't just want an answer, Chris. He wanted God. He was a man seeking after God's own heart. So how do we move from fear to faith? Know that the Lord Almighty is with us and our helper in times of trouble. Face all your fears by keeping your eyes on the Lord. Don't look at the circumstances alone. Know that God is in the moment and in your future. Paint the picture of your difficulty with him in the picture, ever present and a help in times of trouble. Well, that's all the time we have from today. Many thanks to our producer, Norm Mintel, our social media director, Kelby Kymig, our engineer and my co-host, Chris Weigel, who makes the show a conversation. From all of us here at Faith Radio, we'll talk to you next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're here, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone.
Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.